Welcome to the Wits and Weights Podcast for busy professionals who want to get strong and healthy with strength training and sustainable diet. I'm your host, Philip Pape, and in each episode, we'll examine strategies to help you achieve physical self-mastery through a healthy skepticism of the fitness industry and a commitment to consistent lifting and nutrition. Welcome to episode 19 of Wits and Weights. Today, we have another special interview guest. Ken Caputo is a lifelong athlete who eventually found his way to strength training in his late 30s, and that's something he and I have in common. Uh, From an early age, he competed in swimming, track, cross-country, even pole vaulting and springboard diving at the University of Connecticut, eventually becoming an expert in martial arts. I invited Ken on today because of his passion for lifting and nutrition and how they can keep someone healthy physically, mentally, and emotionally, as well as recover from injury. Ken Caputo, thanks for joining me on the show. Glad to be here. Uh, You've been an athlete since you were a teenager, and you've dabbled recreationally and competitively in probably more sports than I've ever even thought of. Uh, Tell us... (laughs) Tell us more about your fitness background and your current approach to training and nutrition. Yeah. So I really, I I think I would say I became an athlete, you know, in my mid teens, you know, like around high school age. Um, Prior to that, I was the skinny kid who couldn't, you know, I did little league and stuff like that, but did all of it poorly. And, um, and uh, I was, became attracted to more like endurance activities. So running, I did really well with swimming, uh, and body control stuff. And I found that it just, it's, it was a joy. It was like, I think the main thing, especially younger was it was a way to decompress, relieve stressors that, you know, all the teenagers are feeling. I think the hormonal highs, especially from endurance activities was something I became kind of addicted to. Uh, so that really was the start was, you know, and I think the other thing that attracted me to these kind of individual um, physical activities and sports was just, it was really just you against the clock, you know, and it was just just kind of, you know, this time, yeah, you know, time where you're testing yourself and, you know, that kind of fit my personality and style early on, I think. Now, were you, were you encouraged to do this or did you find it on your own? Do you say you're a a little skinny kid? Cause I was like the little fat kid who stayed out of sports when I was young. So nobody, you'd have to, you know, pay me to do it. So, you know, how did you get into it that way? So it's kind of funny because my, my dad, um, is a, he was like a big time football baseball, you know, he was into more of the traditional, kind of team sports. And he always really encouraged us to do those things. So I tried them all and I was just terrible. <laughs> just wasn't okay. good at any of them. And you knew um, you, knew you liked had something a, physical, just not those sports. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I really just, you know, I mean, I, I remember just as a, like a 12, 13 year old, pretty much just reading a lot of books and hiding in the basement and just kind of, you know, just nothing was working out that way. And okay. it was uh, a good friend of mine in high school who, had joined up on the swim team to become a springboard diver. And he was like, you want to try? I said, I knew nothing about diving and, and neither did the coach, honestly. I mean, this was like a high school team. There was a board there. So it was me and him. And they literally showed us this eight millimeter reel of the required dives. <laughs> that oh, wow. that was your training. It was like, you ever see dodgeball? Like the, <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> like that kind of thing, it, you know? <laughs> 
<laughs> now, is this the springboard? So versus the, I don't know what you call the other one that's doesn't spring, but is this um, very high or is it pretty close to the water? It's pretty close. It's a one meter. So at the high school level, right. it's all one meter. Uh, once you get into the collegiate level, uh, there is no one meter. It's three meter. And then especially as you get into the the higher levels, you've got platform, usually uh, a five meter and 10 meter platform. Got it. So, you know, so starting out, it was one meter and, um, you know, and I just, I loved it. And as I got into it, I also started swimming because you could do both. So you could compete. So I started competing in hundred free and breast and stuff like that. And um, so this was my freshman year of high school. And what happened was that spring, they were looking for pole vaulters and the track coach said, Hey, you know, you divers, you're these skinny light guys who have good body control. Why don't you try out for the track team and see if you can pole vault. Okay. And, All and right. I was going to say it's younger. Not, sounds like a totally yeah, random sport, but it was got just this weird. There, yeah. yeah, exactly. And I'd actually tried out for track when I was in junior high and got cut. Cause I didn't know what I was doing. I couldn't run. I was just not athletic. So, uh, so anyway, so I tried pole vaulting and, and again, as part of that, decided to try running again and got hooked on the 3,200, which is basically two miles, um, on the track. And that, that fall I did cross country, continued to swim, dive, and became a three sport athlete right through all of high school. Um, and then that carried over University of Connecticut. I was actually um, recruited to be U4 track, but didn't get enough money to actually go there. So I walked on to the swim team at UConn and uh, made it as a diver and uh, dove for a couple of years there. Um, That's pretty cool. What, what were you at UConn for? What was your major? Uh, actually, I went in for psychology okay. and, um, and ended up uh, just not doing well. Um, you know, I was doing a bunch of stuff. I was, you know, kind of working my way through. I actually joined the National Guard to pay my tuition. So I was doing that once a month, cool. you know, doing an army infantryman type thing. And uh, and eventually just kind of ran out of money and motivation for the whole college thing. So, you know, so I left campus. I was still doing some classes part-time, working nights, and was looking for something physical to do. Because at this point, I understood the value of physical activity and, and just was looking for something that would kind of hit that body control part, but also something that would bring in a little bit more of a, I guess you would say a mindfulness, although I didn't really have those words at that time. So another friend said, Hey, there's a karate school in town. You should check it out. Okay. So I went in, you know, so this is us probably around 20 at the time and um, went in, tried a class fell in love with it. And about a year later, realized that I loved it so much. I actually came in a little early and saw them working with kids. And I was thinking, oh my God, I, I could see myself doing this with my life. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's healthy for me. I could really transform a lot of lives. So I started teaching, volunteering my time and eventually took over a school that was failing and um, ran that it's still going strong 30 plus years later. So well, that's, a, yeah. that's amazing how opportunities come out of nowhere, right? You're really seeking does, that yeah. uh, kind of individualistic pursuit, right? Of something that would channel your energy. So mm -hmm. it wasn't even for self-defense or anything like that, which is probably why I would think to take martial arts. And then you fell into it, found that you could teach kids. And that was another passion of yours, kind of combining the two. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I had actually, uh, because of the swimming, I had, uh, been a lifeguard through high school. That was kind of my job. And I taught swim lessons and loved teaching the kids. So there's, so that kind of came back bubbling out to the surface when I saw this, this opportunity with the martial arts and it all just kind of came together. And, you know, so I started doing it professionally and dug, you know, really dug into that and competed in tournaments and, you know, I was teaching six days a week and, you know, really just became a lifestyle. That's pretty cool. My, my only foray into karate, well, there's two. First is I tried it as a kid and I was too scared to actually go up in front, in front of everybody for the first demonstration. <laughs> and I told my parents, I don't want to do this. Um, and then the second is, is my love for Cobra Kai, which I know is completely realistic. Uh, the show on Netflix, right? <laughs> and that's about it. So much it. fun to watch. <laughs> it, it's, it's hilarious. It's very entertaining, um, tongue in cheek and all that, especially if you grew up around that time. Um, but so I've under, I understand you've taught. So this is Shaolin Kempo is the style that from your yep. email, hopefully I pronounce that right. Um, and you're a seventh degree black belt. And again, I don't know anything about martial arts in general. So why that style? What, what excites you about it? Uh, it was really the first one that I okay. stepped into and, you know, and what I tell people all the time, there's, there are so many different styles and it really just comes down to does the, does the way the, the system is set up complement the way that you kind of move and does it feel good to you? And more importantly, do you like the environment? Do you like the teachers? Do you like the students that are with you? It's really a community. Uh, so as long as those things, the actual name of the style or the specific of the style never really seemed as relevant. Um, okay. They all have advantages and disadvantages. Um, like you said, I was more interested in being a balanced human. So I wasn't really into, into it for like a combat type of you know hardcore i Krav wasn't Maga. interested in yeah you know <laughs> yeah. and it, it just it wasn't and you know and if i was i probably would have picked a different style although there's you know the style sure. i'm in is very um there's obviously self-defense application there always is but what it's really about is living a, a long healthy life you know and that's that was what really appealed to me not only for myself but teaching that you know, okay. to communities. And, you know, here I am at, I've literally trained multiple generations, you know, so watch kids become parents and have kids and, you know, live healthy, abundant lives with, you know, this martial arts system being kind of part of that, you know, part of that experience. Sure. Them. Yeah. And I think this, you hit on the community aspect. I think that's attracted a lot of people to all sorts of pursuits, right? CrossFit is a mm -hmm. big one I can think of that took off. 15 years ago. Um, you also mentioned longevity and health. And I want to get into some of that with this discussion because, um, you know, some, sometimes goals are contradictory, right? There's the performance goals, <laughs> there's strength goals, longevity and health. They don't always, you know, align perfectly. If you're trying to, you know, build Correct. a and you need to cut body fat and, you know, be hungry and suffer through all that. And you're messing with your hormones and so on. Uh, that doesn't necessarily translate to living to 110, if that's what you meant by long, but you know, you get the point. So, I mean, what's your take on balance, I guess? Yeah, it's, it's really an interesting thing. And, and the funny part, I, I, I trained as a lifelong athlete. It, it was all, it was, it was pretty well balanced just because I wasn't looking to be like some crazy, you know, MMA fighter where I was taking a lot of hits, like even competed in tournaments, but it was what's called point fighting. So there's yeah. contact, but it's, it's like tag, you know, okay. when someone like hits sparring, you, everything yeah. stops. 
mm-hmm. you're accumulating five points and then you advance. So you, you take some shots, you know, but it's not the sheer abuse that like an MMA fighter or a boxer, you know, I mean, they're like taking such a pounding. So I didn't have that element. What was interesting is, you know, by the time I was in my mid thirties, I had reached a, a rank in these, in the system that I was training where you really couldn't compete anymore. So I started racing mountain bikes and, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you had the bug and you had to itch it somehow. Right. I, I've always needed to do something competitive and this was cross country. So, you know, so you start off as a beginner and, you know, it's like maybe like a 45 minute, uh, you know, race. And by the time you reach back then, what was the expert level? What's now cat one, these are two, three hour races. So they're very demanding, um, doing point series. So you're talking 14 races between like April and October. So that's where you start seeing what you're talking about, like Mm. balancing, that level of, of training and conditioning um, against the demands of the sport can really throw you out of whack. And, and I remember very vividly uh, when I first started racing, you know, I, I got like blown out my first year. I did terrible. And it was just part of the learning curve, sure. um, led to a lot of nutritional insights we can talk about. But there were posters up for dealing with depression. And a lot of, a lot of these racers were pushing themselves so hard physically, logging so many hours to be competitive that it was creating damage emotionally, you know, not enough time committed to their relationships. So, so I learned a lot about that. And really, you know, my goal was doing this because the best way for me to stay healthy was to have some kind of a physical event to train for in a cyclical way. So you know, so, and that's when I started really thinking about, all right, what's the best way to be efficient and to be smart so that I, I feel in balance. I'm not like getting moody or, yeah. you know, uh, eating things that are leaving me all doubled over and cramped up after a race or impacting my, my business. I mean, I'm a entrepreneur, sure. I'm a business owner. So I had to invest all of that. So I learned, I think more from the mountain biking experience. I did that for about a decade. Um, than I did from anything yeah. I had done previously to that, you know? Yeah. So it sounds like what you're talking about is the need for periodization, the need for I yep. guess, seasons in your training and your competition. Absolutely. I mean, CrossFitters learn this over the years with the open and the games where the organization, I guess, added more and more competitions and the, the top ranked guys wanted to compete all year and they found they couldn't do it. And, you know, because you get overtrained, you get over fatigued and you really need to peak for that, right? You need to have a building yep. phase. You have to have an off season, et cetera. And it sounds like what you're talking about now, could these bikers, um, just skip a bunch of competitions and choose the ones they wanted, or did they have to compete in all of these? It, it depended. So, you know, when, for those of us that were into it from a point series perspective, it was, you could miss one race, which usually was going to be a DNF like you went to race and something Did broke on your anything. bike or you crashed and broke yourself okay. and <laughs> involuntarily you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But it, I mean, you really, you had to, you know, the ones that would win and I, I won States, I won new England. So I took it as wow. high as I could go at the expert level. Um, and it was really attrition. It was who could race consistently mm. pretty much top five race after race after race through the whole series. So yeah, it was very challenging because you really couldn't, you know, and you found yourself like during the training season, balancing like your, your main physical effort was the race. And then everything else was kind of recovery, maintaining fitness so that 
you know, you could sustain it. And what's interesting is there is this, and you see this a lot in athletics, there's this kind of tough guy culture. Mm, like, sure. you know, one of the things we used to say is, you know, <clears throat> the, the, the one who breaks last wins, you okay. know, the one who could, <laughs> and, and cycling is sustained pain like, you know, mountain biking, especially because it's very anaerobic and aerobic. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're, you're going up, a, up Mount snow with your heart rate at 185 for 15 minutes, and then you're exhausted and trying to traverse and go back down and do sure. it again. So, you know, so you, you almost didn't recognize how important it was to take care of yourself and focus on recovery because the tough guy would just take it, you know, and not sure. break. And, yeah, and of course we would all break. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, no, it really was. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's cool. So, we, so we, we touched on balance and periodization then. So then that brings me to, I know you're doing OCRs now, but um, you, you also do strength training and that's, that's my passion, right? You came into that, I guess in around in your thirties, sort of similar time frame that I did. Um, mm -hmm. I guess my question is, you know, how did you fall into lifting? So, yeah, so it's really interesting. So with the, the cycling, you know, one of the things, especially road cyclists, they'll tend to, um, you know, there's a lot, mass amounts of cardiovascular fitness mm -hmm. and they're, they're, you know, your legs just get huge, but your upper body uh, on a mountain bike, you need a lot of upper body strength, but it's hard to actually work that on the bike. You know, I mean, it's sure. to, to actually get like kind of balanced, uh, musculature, and I was also starting to, you know, there's a lot more research. I had, um, my first started racing, um, I was just pumping calories, you know, five, 6,000 mm -hmm. calories a day. And I'm doing it with Fuel. eating yeah. anything, hot dogs, ice cream, whatever okay. I could. I didn't know, you know, yeah, <laughs> so course. then I'm like, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so I'm starting to get like cramps and I'm having, so I started studying nutrition and started learning about, you know, how it's not just the calories the macronutrients, the types of foods, all that started coming into play. And that led me to understanding a little bit more about body composition and the value of maintaining muscle mass, mm -hmm. not only for just strength competitively, but overall health and longevity. Sure. And, and at this point, this is like almost 20 years ago. So the research wasn't even really that strong. Like now, I mean, yeah, that was like know, the early training. bro science phase still. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I was really kind of turned off by the idea of muscle building, mm -hmm. like bulking up because as a martial artist, it was all about everything being balanced and functional strength. So, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, when I was fighting, I, I weighed 150 pounds, you know, and it was about hitting like you weighed 250 pounds sure. through structure, not necessarily Leverage, yeah. big. So, so I, I had kind of, I was misinformed about what resistance training could actually do for you. And as I started reaching it, uh, researching it, I was like, uh, okay, now this is starting to make sense. And, and I recognized that I had worked a lot on the other cornerstones of fitness. There's like five things that I think about, uh, conditioning, mm -hmm. um, flexibility, which you do a lot in martial arts, stability, which you do a lot in martial arts is just so much balance and mobility, you know, movement. Mm -hmm. But what I missed was strength. Sure. And you know, <laughs> which, which you could so, argue could bring all these other things up another level. Exactly yeah. what happened. So, so I, and I found that I just had, um, I, I was doing a lot of upper body, uh, not upper body, um, just like uh, body weight 
strength training always okay. had tons of push-ups, pull-ups, mm-hmm. just explosive movements with the body, but not adding in actual weights. And when I started adding in the weights, all of a sudden, like it was kind of scary, like how much more energy I had. I started hitting like a lot harder. Um, I was moving more explosively when I was training in the arts. My uh, ability to perform my mountain bike racing got better. It just it just brought everything together. It was like the glue yeah. that brought all these different things together. You know, I'm I'm not surprised at all. What I'm curious about is what what style or what focus of strength training that you found most effective. You know, was it the big compound lifts, or was it just adding weight to to anything, or or what was it? It was. It's kind of funny. I think um, I I just started reading books on it. Um, and there are a few good ones that uh, um, I think there's one body for life uh, early on that, and there are a few like that. And, um, and so I was just kind of learning about how to lift and, you know, the difference between low rep, high rep, figuring out what mm-hmm. your one lift max was and just the basics, you know, I mean, bench press, deadlift squat, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but I actually found this guy, he's probably still around. His name is Shin Otaki. Okay. And he, he was big on understanding how to do compound movements and he was like doing a lot more of like the Olympic lifts, like cleans and, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. And, but all with dumbbells. So okay. I really got kind of fascinated by that. And it, it made a lot of sense as far as working through kinet, kinetic chains of movement, like sure, you do in bilateral, martial arts. Get the more bilateral. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and there was just, and also the core sta- stabilization. So I felt sure. like it, it was causing me to use my body the way I trained it to work for two decades mm-hmm. and all these other things I did. So, so I kind of started digging into his stuff for a while. Um, and then so, uh, a few years after that, I, I think it was when, you know, Jeff Cavalier showed up mm-hmm. on the scene with YouTube and he oh, just really X, makes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah athlete X. Yeah. And that's what I use to this day. I just use okay. various of his programs because I like the way he kind of you know, he, he varies it up. He, he sets you up on, you know, a training regimen that's not too time intensive, but, you know, it doesn't leave any gaps. It's smart and intelligent. And now I just kind of cycle through a bunch of his different programs. And, you know, that's what I found has been most effective for me. All right. Pretty, pretty so. cool. I mean, that that's really cool. I like, you know, you came through with the compound lifts and also the dumbbells. I mean, I I've heard it said that if, if you had no problem lifting any weight dumbbell, it would be the most effective, you know, implement. Um, but when you get heavy enough, you just can't wield them, you know, they're just too unwieldy. And that's why you you tend to use both. Um, if you have the training volume and you have the time, but, um, consistency, right. Wouldn't you say like, I know a lot of folks, they can pick a fairly mediocre program. I'm not saying, um, Cavaliers program is that, but you could pick one. And as long as you're consistent, you're going to have, you're going to be in the top 90% of people in terms of your progress. Yeah. Yeah. No. And when people ask me, you know, I mean, that's, that's, I'm always very clear. There's a difference between like, I'm choosing to live my life for as long as I possibly can as a high performing athlete. And obviously what high performing is, is relative to, you know, the event, the time I put in age, all those other things as they just naturally occur. Mm-hmm. Um, but for most people tell them, look, I mean, just if you stress the muscles, you know, two, three times a week, it's just, it's all good for you. You know, so find something you can do safely and smart that you can commit to and enjoy. 
And, Absolutely. you know, and if it's just body weight and you just want to pull a bar and do push ups, and, you know, that's going to be what it is, it's, yeah. it's definitely better than nothing. And you may find that over time, as you get stronger, you get curious. Sure. And, you know, like, and now like, you, hmm, I want to push you myself. Do sign up for the gym yeah. and get a couple personals and, you know, learn a few things about how to lift safely and, and smart and that kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, I just tell people, look, it's just the act of strength training on a regular basis, like you said, consistently is going to have a tremendous impact on your overall health and wellness over time, period. Yep. Yeah. Totally agree. Preaching <laughs> to the choir on that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. <laughs> you know, and it's funny. I don't know if, let's see, did it come out? Yeah. I, I did an episode on injury that just came out. And then you had mentioned that you suffered, um, at a grade three AC tear blew out three <laughs> ligaments, but, but mm-hmm. strength you were, had gotten stronger up to that point, And you believe that that helped you through or helped the recovery process versus if you hadn't. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. When say, so that happened in 2015 on Thanksgiving morning. So oh. we're talking, you know, almost ready seven for the years Turkey ago now. and everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was so basically that morning before going to do all the family stuff, I, I just went for a run. Um, I was just doing a trail run with my golden retriever. So I had her on my leash and, you know, we ran this trail. It was very clear and everything, just kind of like a gravel roadbed. So, you know, so I was doing some sprints and she, she saw whatever squirrel type thing <sighs> cut across my legs. So I went over the top which was fine. One of the things I'm really good at is rolling out. You know, I've gone over the type of bicycles and all that kind of stuff, but she pulled the leash tight exactly when I was upside down. And I came down on the top of my right shoulder. The, the ortho guy said it, it, it was perfect. Like there's no fracture in my collarbone at all. Like huh. I hit exactly on the top of the joint and basically your arms held to your collarbone by three ligaments. Yeah. Uh, and I sheared right through all three of those ligaments. So, you know, so like your collarbone sticks up like three, you can see it right through a t-shirt. Even it's like, it was like almost an inch, you know, raised up and, wow. you know, so, so, off so, are you, so are you saying that was preferable to having broken your collarbone? Well, the, the, <laughs> the advantage to it, not preferable, no, you know, in the relative terms. advantage was I didn't need like surgery or anything. So no pins okay. in the collarbone, nothing like that. But basically, you have two choices with a grade three tear because there's it's not a sprain or a partial tear. There's literally nothing holding your arm attached to your collarbone other than muscle and skin at that point. So you can either uh, let it heal up naturally and it'll do what's called scarring up and scar tissue will basically replace the ligaments or they go in and they string a piece of wire around your collarbone and they just kind of cinch it up. So so I decided to let it heal non-surgically. And, and the doc had told me, he said, look, you got nine months. Uh, if at the end of nine months, it hasn't healed well, we can go in and we can do the surgery and do That's it that it. way. So, so basically you spend about six months holding your arm in your socket and mm-hmm. like, you can't pick anything up, you know, at all because you'll tear all the scar tissue. Um, so I lost probably close to, at that point, I, I was probably like 160 somewhere in there. Um, you know, decent amount of muscle mass. I lost about 12 pounds of muscle mass, wow. my whole right side atrophied, but I had done so much work to strengthen and build muscle that I healed completely. 
and asymptomatically and Amazing. have absolutely no limitations now. And actually, the doctor even was a little surprised at how well it healed. Yeah. Um, and he said, you have years of prehab, years, and especially the resistance prehab. training, doing these, these complex lifts and everything. I had strength in the shoulder. All the support muscles were balanced and in good shape. So my body was naturally trying to bring everything back into alignment which gave me a better opportunity for it to scar up and heal right. Um, cool. So it was, it was sort of like a muscle memory in a way. Your body's trying to get back yeah. to its set point. Yeah. 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 And it it took me, it was two years from the injury before I had regained everything that I'd lost as far as mm-hmm. strength and mobility and everything. But now almost seven years later, I'm doing everything I could do and more prior That's to incredible. the injury. Yeah. So yeah. And I think what really struck me about just maintaining your, your, you know, just to exercise fitness, lifting, all of those things is there, you're putting money in the bank. These are investments that will pay dividends if, and when something happens, you know, and so many people, you know, I was talking to him and he's showing me pictures and he said, a lot of people don't recover well from this injury because they've been sedentary. Sure. So, you know, so now they're trying to actually develop muscle to protect and help them overcome, you know, the damage they did, but it's too late. It's like learning right. to defend yourself after you got mugged. Right. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, get, help or you very getting much, insurance you know? <laughs> after you don't need it. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. Have you ever seen the, uh, there this cross the cross sectional pictures of, of somebody's thigh as they get older. I don't know if you've ever seen something like that where no, you, no, you see the diameter of the thigh is the same, but the muscle area just shrinks and shrinks and shrinks because oh. of the sarcopenia as you get older. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's just like you said, you, you basically waste away, especially as we start getting into your fifties and sixties. I mean, it's mm-hmm. never too late to start strength training, but like you said, injury wise, the risk of not being able to recover goes up the older you yep. are. Hey guys, I just wanted to thank you for listening to the podcast. If you find it valuable, you would be doing me a huge favor by sharing it on social media. Just take a screenshot, share it to your Instagram story or Facebook. Please tag me so I can personally thank you and we can talk about what you found helpful and how I can improve. Again, an incredible thank you for supporting the podcast and enjoy the rest of the episode. And what's cool though is from my understanding, your body responds really well. I mean, you yeah. can start lifting when you're in your sixties sure. and you're going to regain muscle mass and, you know, and it's gonna, it's, and there's just this whole like kind of domino effect of benefits that come from that. You know, the, the big thing is making sure that you're safe in yeah. doing it. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. With the, with, with doing the right form. My dad is, is in his seventies and has finally picked up weight training for the first time. And he's seen the benefits. I agree. You, you can build additional muscle even in your seventies. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And you're talking like the, and I know you've talked about on some of your episodes, the metabolic health. Of, of course. You know, the yeah. when, hormones when that, and testosterone and, and yep, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And the just proportion of muscle to fat, you know, the ratio. Yep. And it's, and I don't care what age you are, that is, that is going to be good for you. Oh, so, absolutely. Just yeah. having that higher metabolism for sure. Yep. Um, all right. So let's see. OCR. I want to get back to that because uh, <laughs> I, you, you seem like a guy who's high energy, always has to be busy doing something and you're trying to balance everything, not get injured. You want to live a long life, but you want to perform, you want to go out and win. So that sounds like a good uh, outlet for that. Is that how you got into it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's kind of funny. And again, you know, these things are so random. It was, uh, uh, 
someone just asked me if I wanted to go do one of a rugged maniac, which was, you know, and, and at that point, um, I wasn't really doing anything competitively. I had kind of retired from the cycling, you know, I was doing it recreationally. Um, but it just kind of ran its course and I wasn't interested in continue to compete. You know, I kind of took it to, you know, as high an amateur level as I could. And it was just, I, I lost my interest in it. So I was kind of in between interesting athletic things to challenge myself that I hadn't already done. Um, you know, when skydiving, when I turned 50, that was fun, but I didn't, it was an adrenaline kick, but it's not really a sport. You, you <laughs> like, would be a skydiver. Yeah. yeah. It was, I loved it. I did it a few times. It was such a blast, right. you know, but, uh, but anyway, you know, so, so they invited me to go do one of these rugged maniac things and, and it was a blast and the, the culture was very, celebratory reminded me a little bit about a um how mountain biking was when i had done that just the the type of people that would show up and you know so so i did it let me stop you there was it did you do the one in southwick yes okay because i did that twice it'd be interesting to know if we competed the same years was that like within the last 10 years or is that much more recently yes i did it so i want to say the first year i did it was probably 2017 because it would have been I wouldn't have been able to do it the year before that because I I wasn't healed enough yet I was less than a year off of my injury so I think it was I think it was 2017 and I was really just at a point where I was starting to get back physically to the condition I was used to operating it um that's a good way yeah that would have made sense yeah yeah it's a smaller race compared to like Tough Mudder or something like that yeah and of course you know so I tried it I had a blast I think I went back, did it the next year. Yeah. 20. So that would have been 2018 and, um, started looking into the fact that they would do an elite heat. Um, so which the first heat in the morning, you could actually have a timed race. You could compete in it. So I was like, Oh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. (laughs) And of course I was going with a group of people and they weren't interested in that. So, so I ended up running the course in 2019, three times, and I did it, uh, once competitively, um, did okay. You know, like I didn't, I didn't win or anything, but I, I did relatively well. And then I did it with a small group and then I did it one more time with a big group and just was really, it was a lot of fun. So, so, so what, I, uh, then just for, for the listener, this is a 5k with like 20 or 30 obstacles. Yeah. 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 So, and so a good, a good time is, is somewhere in the upper twenties maybe, or low thirties. Um, low thirties, low thirties, yeah, right? Cause winning yeah, times okay. were depending on the course for the 5k, um, and how muddy it is that day, um, anywhere between 30 and 35 minutes. Got it. Uh, and the, so the first year I did it competitively, I did it in about 38 minutes. Okay. Um, you know, so I, I did it well enough that it seemed like something that was interesting to pursue. And then of sure. course, 2020, the pandemic, so it didn't happen uh, at all. Yeah. Uh, so so last fall, you know, so I kind of trained, I, I decided last fall in 2021, I was going to train for this thing and try to do well. So, and they actually have, um, competitively, they have a, a, a 50 and up division, and then they have just an all age division. Hmm. So I ended up winning the 50 and up and finishing third overall. So I got two medals. Pretty cool. It. Congrats. And, you know, yeah. yeah, no, and it was, it was fun, you know, and it was, what I really enjoyed was the preparation because it the process fused, I see. Um, yeah. yeah you know the the endurance part of it so you got to be running you mm-hmm. know and i 
hadn't run, I'd been focusing on cycling. So it's kind of cool getting back to running. It's very pure. I love trail running. Um, but then, you know, you need a lot of body strength and a lot of body coordination because of all the obstacles. So, so I did that placed high enough that I got an email about OCR world championships, which happens okay. every year. It's Stratton. It's at Stratton this year. Um, I was like, all right, why not? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, so I decided I was going to train for that. And as part of that, um, I started researching the different OCR, like kind of circuits going around and found Spartan racing really liked, you know, the way that looked. So, uh, so signed up for, uh, trifecta, you know, which is basically doing the multiple distances, um, worlds for OCR is a 15 K race. So, you know, so all right. Longer. So we get a little more hardcore here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. More endurance. And, uh, the, the really fascinating thing about it is they basically, they give you a wristband and, um, if you don't clear an obstacle, they cut your wristband, you're done. So you can finish oh, the race, okay. but you're disqualified. So you've got to be able to clear all the obstacles and you can try them more than once, you know, like if you slip off or whatever, but, um, Oh, it's, okay. You can try them. All. What, what, what's, is that not the one where they make you do a bunch of burpees if you miss it? Or is that like at the non-competitive level? Oh, that is yeah, Spartan. Yeah. Okay. Spartan does that. Um, like 30 burpees so, or something. Yeah. 25 burpees. 25. Yep. Okay. So yeah. So if you miss an obstacle, you got to go to the penalty box and they actually, for the competitive, you can do Spartan just recreationally, but if you're, you know, the, the preparation and how it relates to this idea of being an integrated athlete, that's really been my kind of focus off of all of it. So, yeah. yeah. So, so let's talk about the the terms here, right? You've used the terms functional strength, um, integrated movement, integrated a- athlete. The first time I came across functional movement was CrossFit again, back, back in the mm-hmm. day, um, where I get introduced to barbells and, and power cleans and such. Um, I guess, what do you, in your words, what does that mean? What does functional strength mean to you? So for me, and I mean, there's a lot of different ways that people think of it, but it's, for me, it's being able to do the things that I love to do to live the life of my choosing. So, you know, and for some people that could be hiking with their grandkids or being able to go to a water park and actually go down the slides and climb up the stairs. Um, It could be being able to do yard work in your nineties. You know, it's just, you know, to me that the, the, the preparation for athletic events for me has always been in service to being able to do the things that I want to do, not only physically, but mentally and emotionally keeping, you know, I, my energy levels stay strong. You know, my mind is clear. I'm on zero medications. You know, I mean, it's just, I stay healthy. I get to Got live it. the life that I want to live. So, you know, so to me, what I think functional strength, it's like even, this, uh, you know, this OCR stuff, it's, you're pushing, you're pulling, you're crawling, you're climbing, you're, you're doing like actual movements that, you know, show up in your life. I mean, it's funny. One of the things I would tell people in martial arts is the one skill I guarantee you will use that you'll learn in a martial arts class is how to fall safely. At some point you're going to fall down, you know, and most people that's how they, especially as they age, you break a, a bone, you dislocate a hip you get hurt because, you know, two things, number one, falling is a skill it's that a skill. you can develop. Yep. Um, let me down when I blew out my AC, but Hey, <laughs> no, there's no guarantees. Right. You know, but then the other thing is how well have you practiced 
your body being functionally sound and structurally sound so that it has a higher tolerance for the unexpected things that happen in our lives, you know, and if something does go wrong, you can recover from it better on the other side. So, yeah. And it's, it seems like there's a spectrum because for example, if, if someone were to come to someone were to come to me and say, I want to get stronger, I'd say, all right, we're going to start with the very basics, right? We're going to squat. We're going to deadlift because squatting is bending down, right? Like you would do if you were sitting, if you were outside, with your yeah. tribe or whatever, um, deadlifting is picking stuff up, you know, overhead yep. pressing is reaching over your head and, yep. and bench pressing is kind of the odd man out, even though we all love it, but it's kind of pushing, you know, being able to push something heavy forward in a way. So those are functional movements and they develop stability, mobility, et cetera. But you are still lacking some, like I couldn't do a backflip and I haven't really learned to fall properly. So things like that mm-hmm. um, would expand the repertoire, I guess, if I, you know, focused on those skills. So it's an interesting perspective. Yeah. Like we went to a trampoline park and I'm out there literally doing backflips and bouncing all over the place, sure. you know, like I'm a teenager Yeah, and, you know, and I'm not sore from it the next day. Like you know, I train trampolining right. as part of diving and you would not believe how sore you can get oh, I bet. <laughs> if you're I not bet. used to doing, you for know? Sure. So, but yeah, so it's just, you know, for me, it's, it's that. And, you know, and the this idea of being an integrated athlete is actually kind of these five components um, you know, we talk about move, think, connect, fuel, and power uh, with the idea being every day, make an investment in your ability to move somehow, you know, every day, do something that's good for your mind, you know, and you know, learn something new, read something, listen to something and get the blood going, you know, get the blood into your brain, oxygenate your brain through. So the movement helps with that fuel is obviously the nutrition, you know, the nourishment you bring in. Connect is, is the relationships that you form through all of this, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, going for a walk with, with a partner or a friend, sure. it's powerful on a lot of different levels, you know? And then um, through the martial arts, I do a lot of uh, Qigong meditation, mindfulness stuff. So, Empower is just, you know, being present in whatever it is you're doing. And when you do all those, all those things a little bit every day, it kind of, for me anyway, it helps keep everything in balance. So you don't get caught up in lifting for the sake of lifting. You're lifting for a purpose Mm -hmm. that adds value to your life over the long term. And if your body changes or your environment changes or something changes professionally, you don't feel like you're losing something because it will just adapt to the needs that you now have. And it will grow and evolve with you over time instead of, you know, Oh, I used to be able to run a mile in five fifteen. I can't do that anymore. Sure, Does that mean I shouldn't numbers, be running. Yeah, yeah. You, know? Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. No, I, I like the, I like where you're going with that. To you have to have a goal, and and you could have intermediate goals. You could have long term goals, right? Mm-hmm. And then you break it down to the process. Um, don't don't give up either extreme. In other words, like you said, don't just do the process for its own sake, because then eventually you might not have purpose. And don't mm-hmm. just focus on the end goal thinking that's that's all there is so i that's that's a good balance what would you say to people who are listening who either want to get started in what you do maybe with the martial arts or somebody who's not as active because you threw out a a bunch of things right and and you've developed (laughs) these over time but what what are the big priorities the big rocks for people uh i think honestly the very first thing is understanding the value of recovery I, i i think you almost have to start there sleep 
you know, understanding how much sleep you need. Um, I, I'm like a, a geek when it comes to the technology. So like I use whoop, you know, which uh, is that the mat, the mattress or is that the device on your wrist? That's the the device. Oh, that's the one on your arm. Okay. Yeah. 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 And it basically. Yeah. yeah, Yep. The same thing. Yep. Yep. Or is the exact same, well, different company, but same thing, you know, and it helps you understand how well, based on the effort you put in, how well you're sleeping and recovering based on that understanding hydration needs and understanding the, the nourishment of the foods you bring in and how it's really just, it's, I think uh, the confusion I see in a lot of people that I've worked with over the years is they get caught up in the output and, Mm -hmm. you know, I need to, I need to do my 10,000 steps or I need to get to the gym three days a week. And yes, there, there is all of that, but that's just stimulation, you know, that you have to create the space in your life to receive the benefit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and sometimes the best thing to do is stop, you know, like, I definitely, I, I go off of everything, you know, I do like little supplementation, like creatine and, you know, omega stuff like that, but I stop everything, stop lifting and just walk for a week and just stop. You know, you 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 could say it's a deload, but you, you really just unplug and disconnect and, and and let your body fully recover. Yeah. And and I'm actually thinking about that. I'm thinking about muscle repairing and Mm -hmm. how much better I'm going to feel on the other side of it, you know, and that kind of thing. So, you know, so that's the first thing. And then, um, the second thing, you know, that I always recommend to people is find movements that you enjoy, you know? So, cause that's the first thing. If you're, if you're doing something that makes you, and you hate it every time mm-hmm. you think about doing it, you're not going to, you're, you're not going to stay with it. So you've yep. got to find things that you now, yes, there's effort, you know, and exercise isn't always fun. I remember uh, an adult saying to me a few years ago, he's like, you saying I'm going to have to do this for the rest of my life? And I'm like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to be healthy, yeah, right. I mean, you could stop. But what's the, so, you know, so you've, you've got to do you your enjoy. squats, right? No yeah, matter, exactly. you got to do them. And, but maybe you yep. don't want to do back squats. Maybe you want to do front squats. Maybe you don't do it with a dumbbell, whatever, leg press, you know, do something. Right. Right? Yeah. 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 Maybe it's resistance bands. You know, right. or, or maybe it's, you know, putting your kid on your, you know, back and doing yeah, squats with them, with, doing yeah. <laughs> backs, you know, or just, sure. you know, grab a dumbbell, walk up and down stairs, you know, the farmer, exactly. asymmetric farmers carries, those are great. So, you know, so yeah, how there's do basically you... no excuses what, what you're getting at. It's like, if you don't like something, you, you find something you do like at the end of the day, it's going to be hard at some point. Right. And that's part yeah. of, part of the fun really is when you do hard things and you see the results it can be fun. Itself. Yeah. Well, and you're looking forward to the result. So while you're engaged in the activity, you're thinking about the value you're creating, you know, and what that means to you. And I think I've been fortunate in that, um, like physically what it does to me has been symptomatic. So like, you know, how ripped my abs are, isn't the reason I work out. It's just something that you notice as you're going through the training cycles and, you know, my body composition, you know, I weigh myself every day and use an impedance Mm -hmm. scale just so I can kind of monitor how I'm doing. And, you know, but it's not, I'm not obsessed with how I look. I'm just thinking about the value I'm creating. So, yeah, I I agree. Like if, if, um, for nutrition coaching, you know, I talk about the, using biofeedback and data and measurements is just that, just data. It's in fact, when you do it regularly, if you weigh yourself every day, it, it you almost stop thinking about it 
and you stop obsessing yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, but it, easier said than done because people have, there's, there's all sorts of emotional mental issues people have and there's disordered eating and things like that. Um, but I, I, I love where you're going. That's hard yeah. too. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just thinking no, no. that could be so hard. Like, you know, especially when I've worked with younger people, they're, you know, they're on Instagram and they're, you know, they're seeing all those visuals are kind of hitting oh, yeah. them. The and it's, it's yeah. really hard to balance that, you know, against doing what's best for you and not getting mm-hmm. caught up in, you know, these kind of unrealistic images or, you know, whatever, sure. or maybe they are realistic, but if it becomes an end in and of itself, it's all very impermanent. You know, anything you win, any medals you get, any picture yep. you take, you're not going to look or be able to do that. You know, it's a new world with, now uh, anyway. <laughs> with social media. It's crazy. <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is all, this is all great stuff, man. I mean, recovery and, uh, you know, food and fuel and finding something that you like, uh, for sure. Is there anything else you want to share with the listener before I, uh, t- wrap it up? Yeah. I think the last thing that has been helpful is understanding how to lower resistance environmentally. Um, and one of the things I'll help people with is we call it the swapping grid. We look at okay. rather, cause a lot of people, I think they're thinking they have to add more do more, Mm. you know, I've got to now get up an hour earlier to get into the gym and there. So their approach is something that can lead to being out of balance because you're trying to find more time. And especially if you're adding stressors by trying to do exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so we talk about looking for, um, things that you already have built into your life that maybe aren't serving you and then swapping them out. So, you know, so a simple example could be um, like what I've had a lot of people have success with is they, you know, they're trying to cut down on like soda Mm -hmm. nutritionally because it's just a lot of junk carbs and not good for them. So either they stop buying it or they put it in the back of the fridge and they put a pitcher of water in front of it. Mm -hmm. So, so you're just trading out the choice to drink the soda for drinking water. And sometimes you'll do that. Sometimes you won't, but a lot of them will find that pretty quickly they've reduced their intake by 50%. Right. And that has all kinds it's of a nudge. residual yeah. effects they yeah. can experience. So, you know, so maybe you're you're tired at the end of the day and you like to decompress with half hour Netflix and mm-hmm. you know, you just go for a walk instead, you know, or maybe you find like a podcast that you like and you listen to it and walk. So it's how can I find time that's already there and reclaim it by swapping out something that fits with my long-term goals instead of just these habituated patterns that are just kind of there that I don't even think about anymore. And I, I like that. You know, I like that, Ken. Yeah. That, that reminds me yeah. of, a, I don't know if it was a Freakonomics episode years ago, talked about, have, I think it was Angela Duckworth, maybe that about the habits. I love um, that show. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was sort of rewarding yourself by doing the activity. And the example they gave was being on a treadmill while watching Netflix, you know, like I only allow myself yeah. to watch Netflix while I'm in a treadmill and sort of, uh, you're, you're leveraging that same time, but now you're doing something, you know, yep. I, I got a treadmill de- a treadmill for, to work with now that I work from home, mostly for that same mm-hmm. reason, I'm like, well, I got, I got to get my steps in and I will go for a walk, but I can't walk all day. So I can walk all day now while I'm working, you know? <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. And you just, you find ways and yeah, I've done that for years. Like audiobooks mm-hmm. have been my best friend because I can do them while I'm doing cardio, right. you know? So yeah. whether I'm so on a run me. or a, a bike ride. Yeah. So I'm, I'm nourishing my mind at the same time that I'm training my body. And, 
you know, and it's helped me reach my goals for how many books I want to read each year and, you know, stimulate the brain. So, yeah. And it's, it's interesting having talked to a lot of people, they, they, once you point it out to them, they come up with these amazing like solutions for their own lives. Mm. They just hadn't thought about it. They just Mm -hmm. needed someone to say, Hey, have you thought about this? And then they're like, no. And then they do. And it's like really cool. I've had some people tell me some really wild things that they've done that, you know, not only added to their own physical well being, but improved relationships. Like, you know, all of a sudden they're doing things with their kids, you know, when they never felt like they had enough time and then they, they found this new solution that's better for everyone, Absolutely, you know? So yeah, that's that's the other thing that's been really helpful. That's awesome, Ken. All right. Well, very cool stuff. Um, Where can listeners learn more about you or your work? Uh, My goodness. Um, (laughs) So I'm doing a lot of uh, projects right now, um, but nothing really, I think that would be of much interest to anyone Uh, that will probably change in a few months. Uh, If it, if they wanted to contact me, you know, email is probably the simplest thing to do. And um, that's just Ken at questersway.com. Okay. Um, Ken at questersway.com. I'll put it in the show notes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that's Questers Way is one of the, it's actually a, a business we created, uh, ran for four years and now we're ready to relaunch it post pandemic here that it's basically an entire center built around this idea of move, think, connect, fuel, and power. Very um, exciting. You know, yep. and, Stephanie's uh, told me all about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. So that's a really cool, you know, project. So, but right now, you know, I just kind of, you know, I, I, I work with different people on different things. We're going to be working with um, actually the UConn football team this summer, helping them out a little bit. Oh, and, that's, that's, that's know. amazing. What are you doing with them? Yeah. Yeah. A uh, combination of things, but a lot of it's going to be um, helping their, uh, their defensive and offensive linemen with uh, getting a little bit more of a competitive advantage, especially with the way they use their hands and just where their head's at before the, the snap of the ball. So, cool. uh, yeah, so this could be a lot of fun. We're looking forward right. to working. So, so we're going to see them, uh, in the top 10 before long, huh? Oh boy. That, that would be really <laughs> cool. I'm sure they would love that. They've been struggling for a few years, but they've yeah. got a new head coach now and, yeah. um, they're making some pretty significant changes. Like even just, they redid the whole locker room and okay. it's like amazing. They gave us a cool tour. They, they so, attract uh, some better recruits, but Hey, what, what yeah. you're doing with them, you know, could have a big difference. You never know. So yeah, no. Uh, and, and that's exactly it. So, you know, so they reached out and we had a little conversation with them and there are some ways that we could kind of apply some of the principles that we've learned over time to help them out. So, uh, you know, so that's what I kind of do, but it's nothing super formal. I'm kind of at a place of picking and choosing projects and who I work with and stuff like that. So awesome. Well, Ken, thanks for coming on the show. It was really cool talking with you. Learned a lot of, a lot of really neat stuff here today. So thanks again. I've been learning a lot. I've been following your podcast and it's just been super helpful, really good information. Oh man, Great to hear. uh, Keep it up. (laughs) Yeah. If if there's anything you want to hear on there, anything I should talk about, let me know or anybody who wants to come on, let me know. So great talking to you, Ken. All right, man. Take care. Take, take it easy. Thank you so much for joining me today. Before you go, I do have a quick favor to ask. If you enjoy the podcast, just let me know by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. This will help others find the podcast in search results, which makes a huge difference. Thanks again for joining me, your host, Philip Pape, in this episode of Wits and Weights. I'll see you next time, and stay strong.
Hey, before you go, I want to let you know about a free resource I have. They are free guides on everything from fat loss to eating out to building muscle to managing hunger to figuring out the best macros for you and more being added all the time. You want to get the most out of these podcasts and your time to look and feel your best, and these free guides will give you a quick and easy way to know what to do. If you want to get your hands on these completely free guides, you can head over to witsandweights.com slash free. That's witsandweights.com slash free to get your free guides and level up your results today.